Lord willing, and every month there is a challenge, and for the, the month of July, the challenge, as I talked about this morning, is to pray for souls. It's important to pray for souls. It's important to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. This evening's lesson is going to have to do with a practical side of this. How do you do it? When you start praying for people who are lost, what does that look like? And the passage that Kent just read a moment ago in Romans 10, beginning in verse 1, I want you to think about what Paul wrote. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for them is that they may be saved. It was something that Paul was passionate about. It was his heart's desire. And it was something that because he was passionate about it, he prayed about it. And the challenge for all of us this month is make a list of people in your sphere of influence that you know need to hear the gospel and need to obey the gospel. Make a list and then pray that list. Now, let me just say this. Some of you haven't made your list yet. I I just know because, you know, you start reading the back of your eyelids on Sunday afternoon and lots of things get get going and there are WEI WEI meetings and things like that going on at the building. Some of you have not made your list yet. Do not procrastinate on this. Just take it from somebody who knows a thing or two about procrastinating. You're going to get to the end of this week and you're going to find if you're not careful, you know what? I still haven't made a list. I really need to do that. I've got good intentions. Here's my challenge. Tonight, when you go home, before you go to bed tonight, sit down with a piece of paper and make a list. You don't have to write everybody. You don't have to put down every single person that you know that needs to hear the gospel, but put, put your top 10. You know, the ones that just immediately come to mind, put 10 people on a list and then pray for them. Pray for them by name, pray about their circumstances and pray about your influence in their lives and those kinds of things. Do it tonight, okay? Will you do that? Nod your head, yes. Tonight before I go to bed, will I do that? Nod your head, yes. If you, okay, if you agree, I'm I'm asking for audience response. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. Tonight, 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 do it tonight is what I'm saying. You need to make a list. You need to have some, some list of people that you are going to pray for. All right. Thank you for those of you who nodded, all five of you. I appreciate that. This is going to be great. I'm encouraged. All right. How to pray for souls. Here we go. I know you're going to do this. I appreciate it. I have great confidence in you because I know who you are as people. I know who you are because of your your servant hearts and your desire to know God better and your desire to help other people know God better. So I have every confidence that you're going to do these things. How to pray for souls. Let's be practical for just a few moments tonight. When we think about praying for souls, we need to consider the will of God. In Matthew 6, verse 10, Jesus told us to pray, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we think about people who are lost, we want people to know God's will. I am not trying to convert people to my point of view. I'm not trying to convert them to the way I see things. I am trying to convert people to Christ. And I'm trying to convert them to the will of God. It's not me, it's the message that changes people. Consider the will of God in your prayers. That's what influences people. That's what changes their lives. Not only that, you need to remember the promises of God. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Matthew 28, verse 20. And again, Jesus says, the the Bible says that God cannot lie when he makes promises to be with his people, to strengthen his people and to give his people wisdom. God will be faithful to those promises. And so these are preliminary, but as you think about praying for the lost, these are things to keep in mind. This next one's going to really kind of strike you funny. 
but I want you to hang with me for just a minute. When you start praying for the lost, don't criticize people to God. What do you mean by that, John? Don't criticize people to God. Sometimes when you see something amiss in another person's life, it becomes very easy to become a fault-finding, judgmental kind of person. There's so much that's wrong. There's so much that's messed up in this person's life. And, and you start listing those things and you start telling God how he needs to fix those things. And what you end up doing, if you're not careful, is criticizing people to God. God knows what's wrong in all of our lives. He knows what's amiss. And I'm not saying you can't mention those things in your prayers. That is not what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand me. But I am saying that if my prayer, if I make a list of say 10 people that I believe need the gospel and I start just pointing out the flaws in all these people's lives in my prayers, that shows that there's something amiss in my own heart. If that's all I'm doing, if I'm just pointing out what's wrong with these people and God, you just need to fix them. We're not criticizing people to God. We are and can very realistically say, God, that person has a real problem with materialism and, and I wish there were a way that I might be able to say something or somebody might say something or something might happen in that person's life. If that's at all possible, that, that they might be able to open their eyes and see their need for you rather than money and things. Pray that way. But don't just try to tell God what's wrong with everybody. You understand the difference? Don't criticize people to God. As you pray for the lost, remember to pray for other servants of God. As we said this morning, 1 Corinthians 3 verses 6 through 9, soul winning is a partnership. It is not a lone ranger type of experience and it should never be that. Sometimes you may be the only one who has contact with somebody who's lost and you may have the only, be the only one that has that opportunity, but it is a partnership. Even in those circumstances, you may plant, but God is the one who gives the increase. We are fellow laborers with God, the Bible says. Don't forget your partners and don't forget to pray for other servants who are sowing the seed. With all that in mind, seven very practical things to pray about when we pray for the lost, when we're praying for souls, when we're praying this month, seven very practical considerations. And here's number one. We ought to pray, brothers and sisters, for opportunities to rub shoulders with people who need God. A lot of times in the world we're living in, I hear brethren say, and I understand the sentiment, trust me, you know, it'd be great if we just had our own commune, if we just could, could wall ourselves off and, and be isolated. That is not what the gospel tells us to do though. I understand the sentiment. Now I'm not faulting and uh, knocking the, the, the sentiment. I'm just saying, if we're praying right, we ought to be praying the opposite. We ought to be praying, God, help me to have more opportunities to rub shoulders with people who need you. Think about Jesus and the way he lived his life. Mark 2, 15 through 17, as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Those tax collectors and sinners felt welcome in the presence of Jesus. He knew they were lost. He knew there was a lot that was amiss in their lives, and yet he spent time rubbing shoulders with them because he cared about their souls. And if we started praying for opportunities to do things like that, Imagine what God might do 
in answer to that kind of prayer. Again, Luke 15 verses one and two, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. They felt welcome in his presence. They felt like he had something that they needed. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled and they said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What kind of man is this? What kind of teacher do you have, apostles, that he would receive sinners and eat with them? They didn't think that people ought to be rubbing shoulders with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus did. And I'm saying in our prayers, especially this month, as we consider the souls around us, one of the prayers we ought to give before God is this, Father, help me to have some opportunities this week to rub shoulders with people who need you. Shouldn't we pray that? You think God's gonna refuse to answer prayers like that? Pray for opportunities to rub shoulders. Second, this evening, as we think about practical ways to pray for souls, we ought to pray for those who are, and I'm going to use this phrase, completely closed to the gospel. People who are completely closed, they do not want to hear it. They put up a hand as soon as they see you coming. They have no interest. And sometimes people like that can even be pretty antagonistic toward the things of God. Completely closed to the gospel. Saul of Tarsus, incidentally, was once completely closed to the gospel. I wonder if anybody prayed for him. You and I ought to pray for people like that. Consider what Jesus says in Matthew 19, verses 24 through 26. Right after the rich young ruler leaves disappointed and sad because he had great possessions and he wasn't going to give up his stuff to follow Jesus. Jesus says this, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples heard this and they were greatly astonished saying, well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Note the context. It's about salvation. It's about who can be saved. With God, all things are possible. If we believe that, then we ought to petition our Heavenly Father every single day, even for the people in our lives that are completely closed to the gospel. With God, all things are possible. And if you pray that way for people like this, there is no, there's no telling what you might experience as time goes on, because we do serve a great God who loves people and wants all to be saved. Don't write anybody off in your mind, in your heart, as long as there is life and breath and a mind, there is opportunity to obey. Don't just assume that people are, they're, they're just too far gone. Do not get in that mentality. You pray for those people who are completely closed. Next, as we think about practical ways to pray for those who are, who are in need of God, Pray for believers and specifically pray for your fellow Christians to be salt and light. It does not matter what other spices you put in a dish, you always know when salt is present. You just do. And that's the way it's supposed to be with Christians. It does not matter how dark the cave, you always know if there's a point of light somewhere emanating from that cave. Hebrews 13, 18, the Hebrews writer says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. 
Whoever the Hebrews writer was, he wanted the prayers of his brethren because he was a soul winner and he wanted more to be faithful to Jesus and to come to him and to obey the gospel. Pray for us to that end that we might have a clear conscience and act honorably in all things. And again, Matthew 5, 13, you disciples are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its taste, what's it good for? If the light is hid under a bushel, what is it good for? Good for nothing. Pray for your fellow Christians, not only here in Katy, but all around the world, that we can be salt and light. Salt's got to be poured out to do much good. Light's got to be held up to do much good. Pray for our brethren that we might do just that. Ways to pray for souls. Next. As we think about specific ways in which we might pray, how about asking God for opportunities to plant? Now think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Watch the process. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth, gave the increase. It's a partnership. Some people though have an opportunity to plant. There are people who do not know the first thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't know the first thing about the person and work of Jesus. And you may have an opportunity, you may have a, 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 a place in your life where you are the planter. You are the first one to talk to somebody about salvation and about spiritual matters. They've never thought about it before. Pray for opportunities to plant. Who are the people in my life that if I were to talk about salvation to them, it might be the first time they've ever heard about it. Pray for opportunities like that. Romans 15, 20, I make it my ambition, Paul said, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I should build on someone else's foundation. His entire mission work, Paul's, was about planting in new areas. It was about breaking new ground. There are different kinds of missionaries those of you who are on the missions committees. There are different kinds of missionaries. Some are planters. They go into new areas and new, new territories. And some are builders on the foundations of others. Both are needed. But when we think about evangelism, think about this. I want an opportunity sometimes to plant, to talk to somebody. And I'll tell you from experience, it is exciting. When you start to see the light bulb go on in somebody's head, you start to see them making connections. And all of a sudden, the words of faith just start pouring out of their mouths. They start realizing who God is and what he's done for them and what it means to be a member of the New Testament church. And you hear them saying things that are biblical and right. There are few things in life that are more thrilling than that because you plant it. Pray for opportunities to do that. God, help me to have an opportunity to plant with somebody. And then the next piece of, of practical wisdom is pray for opportunities to water. Every one of us knows people. Maybe it's your family members. Maybe it's people that have attended for a long time in our services that they've had plenty of people try to do some planting. And what we really need is to do some watering. That is continuing to encourage and exhort and challenge and sometimes rebuke people. Hey, the Bible is meaningful. The Bible is significant. The Bible is life-changing. Why haven't you made the decision to obey what God has given you to obey yet? In Acts 18, 26, Priscilla and Aquila were waterers. They took 
they took Apollos who was speaking boldly in the synagogue and the scripture says they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. The church needs planters and the church needs waterers. And when we plant and when we water and we plant and we water, God will give the increase. And maybe, just maybe in our prayer lives, as you make your list tonight, before you go to bed, as you make your list, think about the fact that some of these people need the gospel planted for the first time. Some of these people need the gospel to be watered. They need to be reminded of what God says. They know, they know the truth, but they need someone to come alongside them and challenge them one more time. Why don't you do what you know is right? Pray for opportunities to water. Next, as we think about practical ways in which we can pray for those who are outside of Christ, don't forget to pray for those who teach God's word. I will say this, at any given moment in time, I I almost always know of at least one or two ongoing Bible studies that are happening, personal Bible studies, almost always here at Katy. People that are studying with friends, with neighbors, with coworkers, with, with relatives, Almost always there are one or two personal Bible studies. Sometimes there are five to seven personal Bible studies going on at any one particular time. Don't forget to pray for the teachers. Don't forget to pray for those who not only teach God's word privately, but those who teach God's word publicly. Ephesians 4.15 talks about how the church is edified and built up. It says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. As you're praying this month for souls, pray for those who teach souls. We have got some tremendous soul winners among us here. Pray for them and then maybe even give them a word of encouragement or exhortation because we're thankful for them and the work they do. And we wanna be more like them. May their tribe increase. Pray for those who teach God's word. Not only that, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1, Paul says, we talked about this this morning, finally brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Pray for us, Paul says. I covet your prayers. I want you to remember me and remember my work and remember what I'm trying to accomplish, saving souls to the glory of God. Pray for the salvation of people who have hurt you. This one's tough. This one's extremely tough because sometimes we have very, very deep and legitimate hurts. And when we start thinking about praying for souls, it's one thing to pray for the guy on the street that I don't have any familiarity with or acquaintance with. And I really hope he finds salvation. It's one thing to pray for him. It's another thing altogether to pray for somebody who's been just terrible in his treatment of me or someone else that I love but I believe this is biblical and I believe this is right. And this may be even helpful to us to consider what's going on in our own hearts. I want you to consider as Jesus was being nailed to the cross, the first thing that he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Was Jesus being hurt? Was there sin involved? Was there, was there vindictiveness and, and, and a malicious spirit being evidenced? Absolutely. And Jesus, as the son of God, would have been well within his rights to have just condemned those people. But that's not what he did. Because God is not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance, even people like Saul of Tarsus, even people like the ones who nailed the Lord to the cross. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And it's difficult, I'm telling you, to pray for people who have hurt you, to pray for their salvation, to pray that there might be something in their lives that happens where they have an opportunity to obey the truth and hear the truth and see the truth. That's what we desire as Christians because that's what our Lord models for us. And in case you missed that point, you can just think about what happened with Stephen in Acts chapter seven and verse 60. As they were stoning him, the last thing that he said was, Lord, do not lay this sin to their charge. You talk about being hurt and wounded. Jesus, Stephen, they set a model for us. Pray even for the people who have hurt us because we love souls and because we want to see people saved, brought to Christ, changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make your list, brothers and sisters and friends, make your list, pray through your list. Every Sunday, by the way, for this month, we're going to have those, those red um, handout things. You saw them maybe coming in on the main uh, table back there. Um, those have some practical suggestions in addition to what we've talked about tonight. Things to think about, things to meditate on, things to pray about. Pray for the souls of people around you. Pray for people who are lost and pray for those who teach them because we need to talk to God about people and we need to do it so more intentionally. Thanks for listening to the lesson this evening. If you have a need to respond to the gospel tonight through faith in Christ, confession of his name, repentance of your sin, and baptism, you can become a Christian. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. Acts 2 verse 38. That's how someone becomes a Christian. And if you're ready to make that commitment tonight, or if you'd like to respond and you want to ask for prayers, we're willing to help you and we're happy to do those things. Won't you make your need known as you come down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing. Evangelism in sync.